0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events, to fascinating finds, to conversations that take us deeper into the word. Thanks for joining us.
1: Welcome to the Deeper podcast. My name is Mo, executive pastor at Conduit Church, joined as always with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and this week we have very special guests all the way from Uganda. Our special guests flew all the way from Uganda just to be with us on this podcast. Our good friend, Pastor Alex
2: Matala. Jumbo, Hakuna Matata.
1: Hakuna Matata. What does that mean?
2: What a wonderful no phrase.
1: <laughs> it means no worries. No
0: problem.
2: Don't no no you remember the song? No wor- I remember the song. It but means that- no worries. It literally says it in the yeah, song. Yeah, what yeah, it means? it, is, so it is, is, yeah. Swahili from East Africa.
1: It's so good. Yeah. Hakuna Matata. Now, Couple things. One, I see that you're dressed for the weather. <laughs> yeah. Are you cold,
2: Alex? Can we turn the heat up in here? I'm almost dying in America. <laughs> it's cold. But not in here in this studio. Yeah. yeah. It's well, okay.
1: Because when you arrived uh, a couple days ago, it was 18 degrees Fahrenheit. That was too bad for me. That is not warm enough. I got good news, though. It's supposed to be 68 <laughs> degrees today here in wow. Nashville. It's going to feel like a little bit like Uganda in the afternoon. Yeah, we warmed it up for you a little bit. Now, Darren, how long have you known Pastor Alex? And when did you guys meet? How did you meet? We met through Mark and (laughs) Melissa Bourgeois. Okay.
0: Um, I actually don't remember how many years, but it's been a while. But I had heard your name through Todd Bell, David Deloach. So in the 90s, Alex... uh, found himself in the United States in a in a little Bible study uh, in, in a living room. And in that living room was uh, Bill Lee, who would go on to become our governor, uh, Mark Melissa Bourgeois. Uh, <clears throat> there were multiple families, uh, but they were doing a, a house church yep. kind of thing. And and you said you sat in the middle and basically a, a church was in, ended up being born out of that. But what did you say to them that that made them decide we actually we need to get out of the living room and and be the church
2: well um house church is uh, wonderful <clears throat> i think it's a good tool to start with but you can't continue like that so i advise them to think of establishing themselves into a local church
0: yeah and they did, which became a church called
2: Grace Center that is there to <coughs> this day. Sure, after some yeah. time they
1: did. But this house church had started here in Nashville. That's fair. <laughs> but you're from Uganda. <laughs> how did how did you merge? How did how what brought you here in the in the to the United States specifically to Nashville to even to know these some of these families?
2: Um, there was uh, a guy who went to build the Lord. I think his name was Hugh. Hugh. He worked with the Papa uh, Pinto. Don, Don Finto. Don Fito. He came to Uganda. I think he is the guy who preached to this this group.
0: Yeah, that's right. I forgot about
2: Yes, and uh, they started doing what I found them doing. So when he came to Uganda, he wanted us to come and meet them and share more with them about the importance yeah. of the local church.
1: And now over the years, obviously your relationships here in Nashville have expanded, you have, uh, several friends here in, in Nashville and many of those have visited you in Uganda sure. and have partnered together in many ways, specifically uh, conduit church in, in, in Darren, obviously you've been to Uganda. How many times have you been to Uganda at this point over the past 14, 15 years? I honestly don't know. Over 10 year, 10 yeah, times. A lot, yeah, because there was a
0: while we were coming, mm. twice a year. And, and then, obviously, I was there before then. I even knew Alex, but enough where I had to get another. I had to get extra pages in my passport, let's say that, because I ran out of pages to get visas on it. And, and it's come a long ways. I, the first time I landed, well, actually, the first time I landed uh, was 2008 in Uganda, and the Entebbe Airport was still pretty rough. Um, yeah. But when you came here, let's actually back up. You you lead an organization in Uganda that has BBT, Back to the Bible Truth. Truth Evangelistic Commission. Yeah. So you guys are a theology Back to the Bible Truth, right? Yes. Which we need in America right now. Everywhere. Yeah. And inside of BBT, there is Good Samaritan School. Yes. With 2,600 students. Yes. Half of which are from the bush they they come in and they literally live there, and so you feed them
2: yeah, bring you, them over there to, to yep.
0: get hope and then you've got trade schools all over Uganda ajumani uh, northern Uganda Chitarate. and central yeah. yeah so you've got trade schools and you've got the church planting of course that's key that's key mm. yeah it was that was the question everything of you're doing what what is the the what is the center of it
2: Uh, We call it community transformation through the local church. Actually, um, uh, we would want to see the local church becoming the hub of doing continuous uh, discipleship in any community of Africa, Uganda, especially where I come from. And we would want the people, the community people, to see the importance of the local church and the local pastor, or the local pastoral team, yeah, we want the community to see the importance of that church. What is the meaning of having a church in our midst? Yeah, it should be the church to do. This is my thinking. It should be the local church to do what the governments of this world are trying to do because uh, everything we need to do for the people as far as the bible is concerned are the things the governments of this world are trying to do but who gets the credit when government does things the government and you know these governments come and go come and go come and go but we have this god of ours we have jesus christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he changes not. What is his government doing? We are part of that government. What are we doing? How are we doing things? How do the people understand our Lord's government, Mm. which is the kingdom of God? So the gospel is about the kingdom of God, and this gospel of the kingdom of God shall be preached unto all nations, including Uganda, what does that mean? That the nations, the tribes, the people who live in Uganda or elsewhere may know and understand, and of course, see that kingdom. Because you remember in John chapter three, Jesus talked about seeing the kingdom yeah. and entering the kingdom. So both are very important. Yeah. The people need to see the kingdom and also to enter into the kingdom so these local churches must do that must be able to show the people to see and thereafter to enter into the kingdom Mm -hmm. one of the things that has
0: helped shape us locally is that idea that the local church is not a place we come to spectate um much of what uh has there's many churches i'm I'm not going to say church in general there's churches that the the thought is we come here we listen to some good uh preaching we or medium preaching depending and good worship check it off our list and we go back to our life but that's not the church that jesus had imagined and i think back to your beginning you and i have one thing that is very 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 in common and that is that we both grew up in a very rural community, so you you call it the bush; we call it uh, middle of nowhere, the the country. But a little, uh, where I was from, a little church was planted there. Uh-huh. And because that little church was planted, now you are here. I am here, and that pastor uh, was there thirty five years and sent many into ministry. You were in the middle of nowhere in uh-huh. the
2: bush, and someone, somebody, planted it that. Local church deep there, it was a uh, grass thatched something, you know, looking very funny, but the people in that thing were born again. Yeah, that's how I came to know the Lord. That's why we plant churches in the in these little towns that's why because
0: there are Alex Metallas in those bush exactly, cities for the future. Exactly that, So, but when you came to Jesus in that church, what year was that? That was 1971. 71. Now, for history buffs, uh, it was around that time that a dictator would come into power in Uganda. Yes, Idi Amin. Idi Amin. Seven Days in Entebbe, the last king of Scotland. There have been a few films made about his life and his, uh, the wickedness. But he did something interesting, which was uh, he, he followed Satan's playbook, which means he, he started to shut down churches.
2: Yeah, because uh, being a Muslim wanted all the people of uganda to become islam yeah and he was working with the late gaddafi and saddam hussein and many others in those arabic countries
0: yeah it was like the boys club of dictators right Uh, 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 momar gaddafi saddam hussein they uh, they had like this if they would have had whatsapp they would have a little group chat probably back then but uh, but they all had the same goal
2: in mind, right, which is uh, this Islamic caliphate. Yeah, that... turning the whole Africa into Islam. That was the goal.
1: Yeah. and Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> well, bef- back up just a little bit. When it was under British rule in Uganda, what was the primary religion in Uganda?
2: Well, before the British came to Uganda uh, in 1887, um, Ugandans, you know, we are 52 different tribes or nations, as far as the Bible is concerned. Yeah. Because tribes are the nations, as far as the Bible is concerned. Yep. So we had different gods, uh, and worshiping different gods, and uh, that's what we knew. But when the British came into the country, and of course the French people, because uh, Roman Catholicism mm-hmm. came by uh, through uh, Italy, Italy, called it Italy, Rome, mm-hmm. yep. and French, uh, French, and then uh, the Anglicans came through England. Mm. So when they came, both groups they were competing each other. You know, it was after I went back to school to study church history. Uh, when I discovered that these guys were already fighting in Europe, so by the time they came to Africa, they were bringing their fights there. Yeah. They, bringing their fight to they, your they, they brought wow. their wars with them. So um, none of them um, talked about repentance as far as I know my history mm-hmm. in Uganda. Uh, they never talked about repentance, you know, commanding people to repent. As I told you, our... Grandfathers were worshiping idols, worshiping demons. The main religion was animism. Animism.
0: And now animism, does that mean people turning into animals?
2: No. Animism is the practice of worshiping the spirits of the dead people. Okay. Mm. Appeasing them, trying to do things for them, thinking they can do something for you or they can punish you if Mm -hmm. you don't do A, B, C, D them. So that was the religion. And the people were very, very faithful to that religion. However wrong it was, Let me repeat, the people were very, very faithful, because that's what they had believed, that's what they knew. But when the British came, just like you're asking, they forgot the word repentance in Europe. So they gave us their names. Wilson, William, uh, Francis. Alex, Francis, and those kind of names. Uh, they told our people that uh, by getting those names, now they were becoming Christians. Today, when you come to my country, and you ask somebody, are you a Christian? The answer will be, yes. How do you know you're a Christian? My name, I'm Wilson. I am Margaret, I am this and that. So to them, even myself, I thought so, to them, that is Christianity. And of course, you know, that's a wrong way of evangelism. Mm -hmm. It's a wrong way of doing evangelism. That is not part of the Great Commission. It is not part of what Jesus commanded. Unless you preach the gospel as it is, you are not spreading the gospel. You are spreading religion. So in short, the British blood religion to us. And thank God for the Americans, 1960, they brought the gospel. It was 1960 when my people in Uganda first heard uh, somebody commanding them to repent, to repent of their sins. And that was the year when people started burning the shrines of that devil shrines yeah places of worship you know that were beautiful demons and all that that was a year of revival spiritual revival mm. in my country mm.
1: so in the 60s there's
2: missionaries coming they came all the way from canada vancouver they came through uh, through new york lm lm that's a mission LM. yeah yeah LM, exactly yeah. that uh-huh. interesting and then wow. others came through here America here, and uh, some came from Oklahoma, uh, and others from Dallas. All roads lead to Oklahoma. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Uh So um, those are the guys who actually brought that kind of gospel where people repented and publicly confessed and believed that Jesus is Lord and King of their lives, Hmm. and that was the... Beginning of uh, the uh, evangelical uh, movement,
1: but that was and, happening in the '60s, and but that was kind of paralleled in the '70s when Idi Amin started coming in and pushing uh, Islam.
2: Yeah, so um, Idi Amin, uh, I think he was misled by Gaddafi and all those guys, because to according to him. He just wanted the uganda to become islamic i think he was a kind of fanatic you know trying to appease gaddafi and those guys because they were giving him a lot of money and he thought it was easy but it wasn't you can't fight you can't fight jesus christ and his church he said i will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell As you know, Idi Amin was one of those gates. Uh, He was a gate. (laughs) Shall not prevail. Yeah. So he couldn't prevail. He died, but the church in Uganda is growing stronger and stronger every day.
1: Is Gaddafi was uh, leader of Libya? Libya. Yes. Is Libya? I'm apologize for my my map knowledge at the moment. It's not in front of me. Is Libya a neighbor of Uganda? It's not. It's north.
0: It's on the northern coast. Okay. um,
1: Today,
2: but he had influence. Yeah, Oh, great influence yeah. in Northern Africa. Great influence yeah. in Africa.
0: Yeah, his, um, his reach over Africa in general, which is why it was so shocking when he was executed like he was in the streets of the Arab Spring, which was what, 2014, 15? Roughly, some, yeah. Uh, somebody looked that up. That's about right. Um, th- That was the, the naivete of our American government was... uh will remove these horrible dictators, and they were horrible indeed, but left this giant vacuum
1: yeah, of,
0: of leadership that has caused, uh, the repercussions are still playing out, and whether it's Libya or Iraq or, but what one of the things that you've got, the, the wisdom that we need for our church, because Africa went through this first, Uganda went through this, and what we're kind of going through and could go through, which is your government was uh, taken over by, a totalitarian. Now he was using Islam for his wedge. Uh, the American government is being attempted to be taken over by, by secular progressives. And they have one they buy, they have a similar goal in that they want the churches to be closed. Like if you listen to many secular progressives, they want to take away the tax breaks. They talk about how bad the church is and how evil and wicked and you know, and it wasn't lost on me that they were very adamant that they could in America we could leave uh strip bars open where women are dancing without clothes, or we could leave open alcohol stores, but the church still had to be shut down. So they, they have that similar goal. We don't want churches in here. You get saved, you are saved in a local church. You see the power of the local church. Idi Amin takes over, shuts down the local church. What did you in Uganda learn during that? And what lessons can we learn in America, whether we have a government that supports us or works against us? What does the church get to do? What ought we to
2: do? Uh, um, First of all, um, I think the church should know why they exist. Why do church exist? What is church? Who are we here on this planet Earth? Whom do we represent? Regardless of where we live, whether in Africa, Uganda, or America, Europe, wherever. Why are we... Why are we still here? And why is it that the founder of the church is still adding on more people to his church? Uh, uh, Why? Is he sleeping? Is he aware of what is happening? Is he still in charge of the church? Or, you know, he started something and he went sleeping and somebody must go and wake him up? That kind of thing. You know, um, first of all, we need to know why we still exist on this planet earth number 2 we need to know what the founder wants us to do here on this planet earth despite of what is happening whether it's happening in america, uganda, these small small countries all over the world, russia and uh, whatever the lord knows what is happening and uh, uh, as it was in uh, the book of uh, uh, Genesis chapter six, you remember when people went crazy? Yeah, actually they go, they went mad. That's what the Bible says. But still, we had a few, the remnants, yeah? the remnants, yeah, the remnants were there. Same thing. Even today, God knows what He's doing. The church should keep on doing what they were told to do. We have to be very careful not to be carried away by the happenings of our days. People can dance naked, people can do all those things. You know, it has ever happened. <laughs> There's nothing new on this planet which has never been there. They can do whatever they want to do, but still, the church must win the game. Mm. And the church must win, and it will. Yeah. I've heard many people saying because of what is happening all over the world, they think the church is failing, they think Satan is winning. Others think. The battle is 50-50, whether God wins or Satan wins. I don't believe that way. Our God is the omnipotent God. He always wins. He will win. But we shouldn't be carried away by the happenings of that day. Let us stick to what God told us to do. Even if things are bad as they are, or they are going to go worse, we still have the mandate to do what the Lord told us to do. And we know it. Yeah. And what is that mandate? It is the great commission, which involves preaching the gospel, training the people, that is discipleship, and also equipping them, empowering them to go and do the same. Mm. pai, until I come, he said. Yeah. The beauty that. the,
0: the church in America is learning is what you said about the government. We've much of what we want from the government is what the church has been called to do. And much of even the reason we would expect the government to take care of the poor, for instance, uh, comes from Judeo-Christian ethics. But what, what I feel like we are experiencing here is we are having, we we tried to have the benefits of Jesus's commands of love your neighbor. We tried to have the benefits of those commands of kindness without the power of the guy that gave gives us the power to do it. So we want Judeo-Christian values without Jesus. So we would divorce the values from the guy that gives us the power of those values, which has not worked very well. And the result is now that we have people that have outright rejected it. And the highest forms of leadership in our country right now, which believe it or not, are not necessarily government. The, the tech industry is like the shadow government that exists in our country. They get to decide what we see and don't see. And if you were to look on, on charts of the people that make code and of, of what we even get to see on these phones, and then you look at their, the percentages of who would be a Christian and who would have our worldview, and it's like 1%, 95 to 98% are gonna have a secular worldview. Uh, which is we uh, the worldview is that we create our own truth inside of us. There is no such thing as sin. Um, it, it's under tolerance, as the government here would say it. And, and so it's complicated things because the message has become very muddy. But what I love about you and what I've learned is you always go back to the simplicity. Don't overcomplicate this unnecessarily. Something I've heard. You you, you, you
2: American Christians, you make things complicated that don't need to be complicated. And and Jesus never did so. <clears throat> you know, prophetically, things are going to go the way they are going. And we shouldn't pretend like we, we were not informed. I think that's uh, another mistake we're making. Christians, yeah. Yeah. sometimes we pretend. And pretense is a demonstration of ignorance. Pretense is a demonstration of ignorance.
0: Pretence is a demonstration of ignorance? Yeah,
2: why should we pretend? like we were not informed about this. It's prophetically clear in the Bible, that things will be like that. But again, we were told what to do. We should spend time thinking and doing what we were told to do when things go, the way they are going. Not sitting there talking about what is happening, wondering, complaining, as if we were not told. See, um, I have this wonderful example. Before the death of Jesus Christ, he spent three years talking to his disciples, explaining clearly to them what would happen to him. He told them they would arrest him, he would be crucified, he would be abused, he would be tortured, and he told them the good news that on the third day he would be alive. On the third day will be alive. And these guys, these guys pretended like they understood whatever he was telling them. And some of those ladies were giving money towards the ministry. You remember the the ladies, Mary, Susan, and others, they were giving money to the ministry as if they understood clearly whatever he was teaching them. However, when Jesus died and he was buried in that new tomb, as the bible says on the third day believe me no one was waiting for his resurrection no one was ready to celebrate his resurrection they had totally forgotten about that we talk about the ladies the ladies who came on the third day don't tell me they had come to celebrate no they had come to treat the body yep. The dead body on the third day, how I wish they came on the second day. The third day was a day of resurrection. It's not, uh, there was not such a dead body for them to, to embrace them. There was nothing of the sort. And the other group was going to, to the village seven miles away. No one was ready for that. The reason why I'm bringing this pretense is a demonstration of ignorance. Hmm. We pretend like we have understood what Jesus said. And when we go on those parapets, we begin to talk like uh, he never said anything about his days. We sing songs, yeah. you know, which indicates that we don't know what is happening. We are surprised. Oh, this is something the devil is winning. No, he's not. Let us fix our thinking and uh, prayers and everything that we do as Christians on what he told us that Things will be like this. On the third day, I'll be alive. Celebrate. Put up flowers everywhere. Make announcements everywhere. Prepare your drums. In Africa, we use drums to, yeah, you <laughs> to dance and all <laughs> that. Everything. Yeah, but none of them did that. Why? Pretense is a demonstration of ignorance. We don't want to pretend like the Lord never told us about what is happening. Now, hmm. why, why don't we spend time digging deep? Into the Bible to discover what the Lord talked about these days, and to do what He taught us to do. Yeah. What prevents us?
0: I know that I personally have felt a conviction that if everything I prepared our church for, as far as I was able, global mission, many good things, that the Great Commission. I've, i I was caught uh, in English. We call it caught flat-footed. I don't even know why we call it that. Honestly. But I was caught off guard that I had not prepared our people for, for persecution. Like I was accustomed to being persecuted for such a time like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I came, I was in Nepal in 2019 and they asked us to teach uh, the pastor's conference and they wanted us to teach through the book of Revelation. And I was thinking, well, I would much rather teach uh, Philippians that sounds more fun but when i arrived and of course we were going we were accommodating them but i realized that a persecuted church reads revelation differently uh-huh. than our church and i felt the lord say go back and teach this through the eyes of the persecuted church as best as i could through the persecuted church and it was just four months later when uh, covid shut the world down the the, there's a massive movement against the church and persecution was unfolding. And so the timing, um, we had already planned to teach the revelation. It wasn't like we were doing it as a bandwagon, but that we were so, Jesus said, don't be surprised. Uh-huh. In this world, you'll have trouble. Like, And we're over here completely surprised. I'm, you know, I've almost been arrested in multiple countries. And in America, it was the first time where I saw American pastors being arrested or fined money with the government and thought we were unprepared now we're uh, i feel like we're prepared or getting closer to prepared but what we have to do as a church and why i'm glad you're here is to continue to okay but this is our mission our mission didn't change seek and save the lost see yeah we can't
2: keep on being caught unaware all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, 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 as if the lord never said anything yeah why are we caught unaware all the time, yeah. We talk about the five Ford offices or ministries, as as we call them. We have this 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 group of prophets. Where are they? How come the church is caught unaware when we have prophets on the list? Hmm. What are they doing? Huh. you know these are the major questions that need answers. Hmm. It, it's not enough just to study about the fivefold ministry and uh, to, you know, to know about them and uh, to sing about those. Are they, are they, are they functioning? Yeah.
1: Hmm. The fivefold ministries from Ephesians four. Yes. Yes. Um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, yes. shepherds, and teachers. What,
2: what would you say your gift is? Well, I think, um, under the apostolic and that's where I operate from all these years, yeah. planting churches, tra- uh, identifying, um, um, people with special callings and, uh, training and encouraging them and, uh, discipling them and mentoring them and, uh, putting them to work. Yeah. deploying them. That's what I've been doing for the last 52 years.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's what, when you think apostle, uh, in the United States, there's a doctrine that's floated around that's sort of, it's not understood, but uh, it's loosely called NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation. And people have lots of opinions, but but in America, when we talk about apostle, uh, it means something Di- to many people, it means something different than what the Bible meant it to mean. Because uh, like what you've done, like if you want to look for an apostle, wonder is that guy an apostle? Like this table, like I, we know it's a table because it has all the features and functions of a table. So he's just calling you what you already are. And what you already are is planting churches, appointing pastors, training, leading, and lead. And if you look at Paul's life, that's what he was doing. You know, he he wasn't just sitting and lording over a church somewhere Uh, Like this back room, you know, he was, he'd plant the church, uh, preach the gospel, plant the church, and move to the next one. And that's an, uh, when you say apostle, that's what you have done so well. And we've had that partnership with you. It's almost like an entrepreneurial thing, but that's the idea. When we plant a church, it's not just a place with pews to come and sit. This Uh is a functioning community transformation. We've taken that phrase, and now that's, what we do, whether it's Haiti, Asia, Guatemala, what like planting a church that is about community transformation, including in Nashville. That's right. With us, let, let me let me switch gears for sake of time. One of the things that people talk about a lot in our world right now, there the, uh, uh, Christians in America are becoming quite enamored of the supernatural for the first time in a long time, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, it could, like anything, there could be error. There could too much focus you know, someone told me once if you uh if you have like a pet doctrine that you plant your church on then it will shape and then eventually warp the church so we try to be full gospel but i've seen with my own eyes i have seen demon possessed people in uganda uh, you guys nobody gets alarmed over there you cast the demons out just what we were told we could do and i've and then i've seen their lives be transformed Why do you think that we don't see that kind of demon activity in America that you see in Africa
2: regularly? Well, um, um, for sure, you have demons in America. Just the same way we have demons in Africa. These are spirits. They are everywhere serving the devil. They are on duty. And I think they are doing their job very well. Um. Yes. Demons are busy. Busy every day, everywhere, yeah. doing their job. However, history help us to understand. And maybe history, the American history, will help you to get answers to some of those questions. When the British, I mean the Europeans, let me say the Europeans left Europe, america they knew why they were leaving europe you were looking for another place where you can go and worship your god freely correct yes that's why you came over here you went through your problems many of them which i don't want to repeat here i've been trying to read your history but uh, you left many things bad things behind which was a blessing these guys when you came over here you forgot all about your tribes your clans, your totems those cultural and traditional things your grand grand grandfathers forgot those things there and I think it was a blessing and they came with a Bible now Back, back, back then, when you go to Europe to see, I mean, to to visit the uh, historical those historical um, museum, hmm? you see how your grandfathers lived before hearing the gospel. They were just Africans, walking around naked, putting small pieces of uh, skin uh, and more skins around themselves, hunting just like people did everywhere. But they had dozen totems. They had tribes, uh, warlike, like you know, just like another. But when they came over here, those who came over to America, they came with a different culture, divorced of those other things I've talked about. Now, that's unique. So your appearance here in America, I'm talking about people who came from Europe, from Europe. You are coming under PLNC your appearance here was quite unique. It was like a going somewhere to create a new nation of uh, mixed people from Europe who have no any other tradition or culture, culture, tradition to claim. However, for us in Africa, we still have those clans, Tribes and totems and all those kind of things. And the gods that goes with those names and whatever. So when God went for Abraham, Abraham, Abraham was like that. He was like us. His father Tila was involved in idol worship. And God visited that family. When God visited the family, You know, God doesn't fear, therefore he doesn't fear all those kind of things. He came to the family and he picked one guy from there. His name Mm -hmm. is Abraham. This is what he told him. Abraham, before we start our journey with you, leave your father's house. Leave your clan and leave your tribe and go where I will show you. Why was God doing that? Why was God removing this young, this guy of seventy years from this place, what was the purpose? Now these are the questions we ask, and when we get answers to that, we'll be able to disciple the people. God had dis- dis- had started His discipleship class to disciple Abraham, so that he becomes Abraham. He had started the journey of discipling Salai to become Salah. And he did. And after some time, Abram became Abraham. And Salai became Selah. And things began to change. And afterwards, now we have the, the nation of Israel. You know the story. Yeah. Now, the same thing. God came to us where we are in Africa, worshiping idols, worshiping demons, and... He changed us the same way he did to Abraham. We have to leave some things behind. Mm. And there's no way you can leave them behind unless you go through discipleship. That's why Jesus commanded that when you go to preach, make sure you teach them, those nations, those tribes, those clans, you teach them to observe what I commanded you. That is the whole deal about discipleship changing people, transforming people from who they were to what God wants them to be.
1: You had mentioned a, a little while ago about how animism was the religion for a while, yes. the, the worshiping of, of spirits. Yes. And it makes me wonder if that's kind of the root for, um, for some of the demon possession that you experience today.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That is the root, and that's, that's why the Lord Jesus Christ was very careful. He said, don't just go preach. That's not enough. Teach these people. That's where we get the word to disciple, discipling. You know, why are you discipling nations? As I was saying, the Lord is not calling upon us to disciple USA, to disciple... Europe, to disciple Kenya, Uganda, to disciple India, he's talking about nations, the tribes, ethnicity, because he knows what is hidden, mm. just like he knew what was hidden in the house of Tila, in the clan and the tribe of Tila, the father of Abraham, mm. and he removed. You See, Jesus used the same words. We don't have time to go into all that. He said, look here if you love your father mother whatever better than me you are not worth of me he was repeating the same thing they did with abraham yeah if you know so and the the apostles at this time understood him very well because i hear them asking sir we left everything what shall we get what are those things they left yeah uh-huh You know, they were repeating the same story of Abraham. They they had understood clearly and Jesus, that is the question Jesus Christ answered very, very well. Hmm. If you go to the Bible, you will see him answering that one very, very well. No one left his father, his mother, his this, his this, who will not get a hundred here and there. You know, he explained clearly because that was the key. You have to leave something in order to follow him and to learn from him. That is discipleship. It's a real thing. Now, these demons are everywhere, but they have strongholds. We call them strongholds. Yeah. And uh, most of the people here in America, they, they look up. When you talk about strongholds, they have to look up somewhere in the crowds there. They think they're there. But uh, they are not actually, demons are not holding crowds. You know, they are not holding crowds in the air. They hold people. They rule over right. people. They don't they hold fight. clouds, they hold people. That's yeah, true. the spiritual fight is about people, not something in the air. Hmm. It's about people. Whether demons live there or wherever they are, they are, but the fight is about human beings. That's why the, the great commandment, the great commission is about people. Go and preach the gospel to people. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to people. So the battle is people. Mm. Devil wants people, and Jesus came to save people. Jesus said, that was the big announcement. He said, I'm here, guys. I've come here to seek and to save that which got lost. That was the big vision and mission. For the lord jesus christ and the devil is doing the same so the fight is not somewhere the fight is about people whether we pray and fast and do whatever we do we do all those things because the fight is people
1: darren you've told this story before from uganda where you witnessed a uh, a, a demon leaving a person yep um and you you talked about the eyes yeah the color of the eyes was was Alex there for that? He was not. Um,
0: when we plant a church, we go. We'll take a crowd of people into the village, and well, first of all, they they buy the land, get everything ready before we even show up. So if we, uh, the white people in in Uganda are called Mazungus. white people, white people, and if they know we're there, they will uh of course the prices just start skyrocketing because there's a uh mzungu but the other thing they try to do uh in in some of these places is get the land before even like the local witch doctor finds out or whatever yeah that's wisdom because if the witch doctor finds out he might threaten the landowner and the landowner won't sell it so they start Uh with that uh and then we you know we build the school but when we go we're going hut to hut to hut and this is the bush and I was, uh, my daughter Ashley was with me. It was uh, one of her last trips before she went into the Navy. And we went into a little home. And uh, this uh, Ugandan moms, especially, they'll actually kneel onto the floor when you walk in. Um, it's just part of their culture. And so she did the, the kneel.
2: That's how they greet
0: people. Yeah. And we asked if we could pray for her. We talked for a little bit. She invited us in and and her eyes um, were were. Blue, which I've never seen a Ugandan with blue eyes. And uh, I want to say Pascal was with us. What's Pascal's sister's name? Annette. Annette was with us. I I remember Annette. And they ask if she'd been having any strange dreams or anything coming in the night to haunt her or something. They didn't use haunt. And she said, oh, yes, yes, yes. And all of a sudden she just stiffens up Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my daughter Ashley, maybe she was 16, 17. She's literally on her knees, literally holding her hands in front of this nice woman, and, and I, I said, Ash, hey, you might want to scoot back. Um, but she started writhing in weird sounds, and, and you have trained your, your team
2: so well. They, they weren't, like, shocked, like, oh, what are we going We shouldn't, do? we shouldn't, because Jesus <laughs> said it so, and these signs shall fall them that believe. Yeah. Believers, they shall cast out demons in my name. Yeah. He taught us. We, are, we must be aware of what he told us. Yeah. Wherever we go, whether in America, wherever we go. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. And her eyes, she closed them, and at some point, she just sort of relaxed, and she opened her eyes again. Her eyes were brown. And... <laughs> So I, what I don't know, and I've always wondered this, was she was she blind? And that was why her eyes seemed like they were cataract blue. I don't know. Well, Other than they were brown when we were do left.
2: You, do you remember what happened to Saul <gasps> when yeah, uh, now, yeah. Ananias went <laughs> to Judah's house? Mm. You know, people don't want Saul to look bad. But he, was, he wasn't all that clean before Jesus cleansed him. Mm-hmm. Tell me, why was it important for Ananias to go into Judah's house, lay hands upon Saul? Saul had already spoken with Jesus. Saul had been, you know, chosen by Jesus. But the same Jesus commands Ananias to go to the house of Judah to lay hands upon Saul. And do you know what happened when he laid hands upon Saul? Do you know what came out of his eyes? What was that? Mm. Do people think about it or they just read and go? The scales scales fell from his eyes. What kind of scales were those? What was going away? What was happening there? It was deliverance. The presence of Ananas, the power of the Holy Spirit. When Ananas arrived, you don't need all the time to shout, In the name of Jesus, you devil, go. Not all the time. Sometimes your arrival, just your arrival, is enough because you represent the theme. No, the term in my name doesn't always mean to shout his name. Sometimes it simply means being the ambassador. The ambassador. Mm-hmm. When you arrive, we have ambassador, the ambassador of America in Uganda, but we don't see him going around shouting. The ambassador, ambassador, I'm um, the ambassador. No, he doesn't shout. But when he appears, he has appeared, and everybody stands up. You know, the flags are up because the ambassador has arrived. So as soon as you arrive, as soon as Anan has arrived, things began to happen. Now, if those things came out of uh, Solo's eyes. That was deliverance. though that day, Saul was delivered from all the demonic, the demonic powers that caused him to kill people without remorse. He was delivered that day in the house of jerah So when you went to that house, I'm coming to you now, as soon as you entered, what you didn't know the demons started trembling and fumbling. Why? Because the ambassador of Jesus Christ had arrived. That's why things happen even before you say, in the name of Jesus. Uh-uh. The devil cannot wait for that because when they look at you, they see Jesus in you and they know who you are. You remember what they told the other, those other guys in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 19? The devils asked. They said, Jesus, we know that one we know very well Mm -hmm. and paul we know we know him very well but you guys can you show us your identity we don't know you we we have no idea about who you are you see as soon as you entered into that house in uganda the devil the demons recognized you and they started behaving that way so not necessarily that everywhere you go you have to shout the name of jesus Always remember you are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. Your presence is enough. Yeah. Something
0: that's happening in America, H- human history, I-, I love what you've said about the tribes. In fact, world history teaches us that part of the problem we have today, the challenge, is after World War I and II, uh, some educated Europeans decided to draw new maps. And they would draw maps like right in the middle of like where this tribe was here or this just so they split them. And they, we we were so – as Westerners are naive to ancient tribalism, pagan tribalism. And yet, even with secular progressivism now, tribes are forming. And, and, and just like in your tribes, they have their totems. Uh, the, uh, the, this signals that I'm from this tribe. Uh, uh, you know, for here, like one of our tribes is about identity. Uh, uh, and so now um, – on say social media one of the the totems uh the marks for their tribe is if you put your pronouns on there uh so it would say darren tyler you know he his they them it's 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 nonsense but that's one of the markers of a tribe so it's it, it is still the same it's a familiar spirits what the bible calls it oh that's familiar because that's the same thing that's happening it might have a a secular progressive but but the beliefs are just as demonic, They're, the lies are still enslaving. So in the same way, like a tribe in Northern Uganda, their name, their identity, the God they worship, it shapes who they are by their identity. That's happening now. And, and what's happening inside of the tribes is the tribes are splitting
2: into new tribes. So yeah. it becomes a culture. Yeah. Yeah, that's the culture now. And I, I just want to warn some of the people hearing and watching us, Um, yeah it's good to imitate but you need to know what you are imitating thank God for Paul Paul said imitate me as I imitate Christ so I have heard some people saying because we came from Africa and we were brought here as slaves we want to go back to Africa to imitate our fellow Africans you have to be careful what you are imitating because you may end up worse than even you are now. So we imitate Paul because he was imitating Christ. We are followers of Christ. Why? Because Christ said, whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. Yeah. So people must be very careful. I've heard people coming to Uganda because they think they can form. I think they have already formed their the own clan based somewhere in Ethiopia. But from the day that, how do they call them? They, 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 they do their hair differently and they oh, rough, uh, love something. Rastafarian. Uh-huh. And they think they are imitating somebody, a king who died in Ethiopia. But uh, these poor guys, they don't understand the history of Ethiopia. They simply say, we want to have our own clan resembling so and so in Ethiopia. But let me tell you, from the day they pronounced that, they announced themselves that way, things began to fall apart in Ethiopia. The king they are talking about died a terrible death. He was overthrown, and Ethiopia started, and Ethiopia you know, lost everything. Many people died of hunger, no food, no water, no nothing. Up to now, Ethiopia, they're still fighting among themselves. There's still civil war in Ethiopia. So their confession and desires never blessed Ethiopia. Instead of blessing Ethiopia, Ethiopians are suffering up to now. So people need to know the history of what they are talking about, and maybe they can ask some of us to guide them.
0: Mm.
2: But the Bible is the best, the best, the best uh, uh, um, textbook for all of us. Yeah.
1: One last question, one last topic. When you look, you talk about you've talked a lot about history going back in time. Um, what does the future look like in Uganda, knowing that China has had a massive influx uh, in infrastructure, um, in in banking, in land purchasing, um, all across the board? China has had a major influx financially within the country of Uganda over the past decade. How are you? How are you guys uh, reconciling that now? Like, how are you uh, dealing with that, and what does that look like over the next decade with China taking up residence there?
2: Well, um, let us visit the Bible again. Um, I told you about the British, how they came to Uganda in 1887. And then I talked about the Americans bringing the gospel, the full gospel in 1960. Now we are having Chinese coming in. The question: What are they bringing? The Brits brought religion. The Americans brought the gospel. What are the Chinese bringing to Africa or to Uganda? That's a big question. Mm -hmm. In the Bible, there is a parable that uh, a man planted a garden or farm. He planted and a while they were sleeping, the enemy came and planted wild, you know, wheat. Wheat, which, which was wild, which was not supposed to be in that garden. But now, remember the phase while they slept. Where are the westerners? Where is the west? While the West is sleeping, the Chinese are coming. First of all, they are coming with their money and those kind of, you know, uh, tricks, craftiness. But very soon, they are also coming with their religion. Meditation, yoga, those kind of things. Are they intentional? I think so. Where is the West? I want to challenge west where is the west why should the west complicate things for africa that's a question sounds political why should the west complicate things for us in africa mm-hmm. in uganda why not make it easy and possible for us to work with them to trade with them to you no know, to exchange you know with them Why are they, you know, sitting on a roof? Why are they giving opportunity to the Chinese to do what they're doing? One of the
0: things that, when you go back to the tribalism in the United States, the identity, uh, we call it identity politics even. Like, uh, when a politician is running for an office, okay, this group is the soccer moms that drive minivans. That's their identity. Here are the uh the the african-americans here are the latinos like the, and so everybody's broken into these groups of identities and when the lgbt alphabet people groups have come along and by the way even that group is splintering um they're they're, they're fighting inside of their own tribes the new tribes are forming but at the top level by when When the United States and they did this in the Dominican, um, this was under the Obama administration, uh, now under the Biden administration doing the same thing, which is to say that if your country, your leadership does not recognize a new identity, uh, that a man can become a woman, uh, they don't recognize the new identity that a woman can become a man. If if you won't acknowledge that we won't help you financially. And Uganda has said no and at the same time they, there's still a financial need so it's driven countries like uganda kenya zimbabwe just go down the list as we pulled back to try to teach them a lesson with using politics to enforce morality china which has no morality atheism is not a it's a religion but it is you know, they're not concerned about human rights they're not concerned uh, they're not even remotely concerned about uh, whether or not they're helping your country what they are concerned about is very clear. And I say they meaning the government. They're and the making company. money. They're making money. Yeah. The The minerals that are needed to but make where, our phones.
2: But where, where are the good ones? If those are the bad ones, now where are the good ones? Mm. Why should the good ones of the West do what they're doing to us? Yeah. The good ones should prove how good they are. Yeah.
0: And the truth is, they're proving, at least some of the government leaders, not the country itself, but some of those leading our government right now, they're proving where they are, which is wickedness and evil and making deceit prosper, Daniel 8. Like, we're going to say things that aren't true as if they are true, and it has driven, which, again, goes back to the church. So, this this is where the government and the political and the geopolitical, but the church… Exactly. The last time we were there, I was reminded that Paul and many of the disciples, the reason they were able to get the gospel as far as they were was with the Roman infrastructure of the day. The roads that Rome built, the, uh, the, the shipping lanes. And the—and as we were driving north to, to Gulu, that road is better than it's ever been. And it's better than it's ever been because Chinese money is pouring in to... This. Uh, to debts, yeah, because they're not giving it. Let's be clear, they're not giving. They're not investing it. Yeah, uh-huh. they're loaning it. So it's a Chinese government loaning money to uh, a Chinese uh, to the Ugandan government, who then hires a Chinese company with Chinese money to take their revenues and their resources. And so the positive silver lining is that the gospel still goes forward, and we're able to get further faster because of the wickedness that god is still using evil things that that what the enemy is meaning for harm god is still using for good so that 500 kilometers will go it's still going to be a long drive but it would have been longer 10 12 years ago oh yeah uh way more puddles. it is sobering i will say when you're driving north or south and you you see the the crews and um uh there'll be 50 100 young ugandans working and there's one guy with the Chinese uh, government company, whatever, with his, his big stick and, you know, it's, it's colonization from the east instead of the, uh, from the west. And th- I guess what I, we bring it up here because we have an election coming up in November and we, for now, we still have the ability to make a vote to, to say what's important to us. And if it is important to us, like it, this is a national security issue to say, we're going to force other governments to change their definitions of morality just so that we can give them money because it's uh, the african governments for you know the good the bad the ugly they've said no we're not changing just to get your money you can keep your money we'll go somewhere else so that's respectable
2: uh for us as the church here it, it just means that yeah yes on on the side of the church and uh, on the side of doing missions so the way you understand missiology here I think what we see today, the way you are explaining, will teach us on how to make some changes. Change is good when it is your change. I think um, the church in the West, the church in America, should think of changing the approach the way they have been doing missions in the third world because of what you have just said and it's true it's happening and of course in uganda we said no and it's always going to be a big powerful no but just saying no is not enough when you say no you do something you know to solve the problem it may not be solved within a day it may not be a quick quick fix, but something must be done to prove that you are doing something about your know. That's why we are changing the way we we used to think. When you came to Uganda, you saw what else we are doing as as a ministry. We are now doing agriculture. We are planting uh, um, crops that uh, long term, crops such as coffee, um, macadamia, uh, husk, avocados, jackfruits, you know, things that can last for 100 years. So when you say no, what other governments are trying to impose on you, you have to do something about it. You don't simply say no, demonstrate and shout, and no, no, we're not to feed your people. No, we'll not take care of the widows. No, we'll not take care of the orphans. No, we'll not help you to preach the gospel unless you add something on you and No, So that's why we're encouraging our people to change the way they think. And that's why I'm calling upon the church in the West to change the way they think about doing a mission. I think it is now time to empower and equip the churches wherever they are and to teach them and to encourage them that they are able. Some countries are very difficult, but in so many other countries it is possible. There is a way these people can be trained, encouraged, supported to support themselves, to have their own sustainability kind of projects that can help them when other countries try to impose certain things upon them. So that when they say no, they're still able to carry on the Great Commission. Mm.
1: It's beautiful. The sustainability part is is generations of change. Mm-hmm. You sustain um, a culture. You sustain these villages. You sustain these um, these families through through farming, through economic opportunity, through education, yes. through healthcare. Um, in the church, you know, conduit, thankfully. I mean, it's such a blessing to be able to have, what, uh, 10 outposts uh, yeah. in, in in that region to be able to help make that happen. And sure. so, Alex, thank you for spending time with us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me to this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful meeting.
1: Yes, and, and if you missed it online, uh, Alex had the chance to uh, share with us this last Sunday. And you can watch that on our YouTube channel or anywhere you uh, download podcasts. Just go go back and and look right before this, and you're going to see the interview that Darren had with uh, Alex Matala this past Sunday as he shared everything that's happening there and how we are partnering with them on community transformation. Any information that you would want to know, maybe a level deeper, conduitmission.org. You can find there uh, all the information that you would want to know about Uganda, some of the trips that we're taking over the, over the next year and two years, um, and you can just take a deep dive into all things Uganda and community transformation. Thanks for joining us.